Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily. I'm Derek Terry, joined by Sean Smith. Sean, how are you? I'm doing great, Derek. I'm sitting in downtown Palmville, Kentucky, actually joining from my phone. I was over here doing a couple of things and nice day, a little cool, but wind's blowing. Not as hard as it was the other night, though. <laughs> well, let's hope that that rock uh, doesn't come tumbling down the night. It's going to be I'm one actually of the... sitting here looking at that rock. Yeah, one <laughs> of these <Actually> days. <laughs> One of these days, it's going to come tumbling down. Hopefully, it's not today. Um, but yeah, Sean, we wanted to hop on today. Uh, hadn't recorded in a couple of days, and it's been more than a couple of days since we've talked some UK football. It's been uh, quite some time. So uh, there was a topic that was brought up today. We want to give a shout out to our fellow uh, Blue Wire uh, podcast uh, show, um, that SEC podcast, who SEC Mike has, has been a friend of the show. He's been on in the past. I'm sure we'll have him on again here soon. He sent out an interesting tweet today that I want to get to, and we will. But first, Sean, today is Pro Day. I uh, didn't get to go over there, obviously. Uh, I know you didn't either. Saw some things from there. But uh, I believe I read somewhere where Vince Marrow is expecting, and, you know, Vince is one to talk, but uh, he's expecting around seven draft picks this year, which I think is not totally unrealistic. I, I think pretty bare minimum they're going to get at least five. So big event going on over there at the uh, football facility. And then spring practice has been ongoing. I know practice was open a few days ago. I saw some reports uh, from that. But, Sean, I think this is going to be, uh, you know, there's there's been quite a bit of news. And, uh, you know, we'll knock some of that out today. Yeah, and, you know, everybody's been on the U.K. football train for a while now. But it kind of feels like the way basketball season came to an end that so soon that it's kind of, jumped and forced even more people to jump on the football train, which I think is going to lead to a lot more hype going into the football season because I think the fan base is just wanting to find some happier times and some good news and things like that. And I think they've kind of latched onto the football program for it. The spring game is about a week away. It's going to be back on, on Saturdays. It's the first time that's been played in a few years since COVID and everything. So there's a lot of energy right now in the, the pro day. Big crowd there. I, I didn't get to make it up for that. I also didn't get to make it up to the open practice. That was large, uh, largely due to I would have had to leave my house at 5 a.m. And I was like, no, thanks. I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm not doing that on a Tuesday morning. So did follow some stories from that. It, I think it's cool to see Terry Wilson back in town yeah. competing in the, in the UK Pro Day. I think that that's really cool and kind of takes you back and shows the respect that not only the program has for him, but the respect he has for the program and Wondell Robinson out here showing off how strong he is. I mean, how many reps was it up with 225? Was it was it 19? Or I think so. 18 or 19, that? I think. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, but like you said, the from their first pro day with this staff to now, the the amount of scouts and teams that are there, there's just such a higher level of interest because this program has been developing pros in the past few years. Yeah. I mean, there was a time under Stoops, pr- pretty much the time it took for all the Joker Phillips guys passed uh, once uh, Bud Dupree, I think might have been the last. Uh, I think he was the last Joker recruit that got drafted. From that time until the guys that Stoops recruited, the Mike Edwards, Josh Allen types. I mean, there was it was pretty rare to have guys getting drafted. I can't. Didn't they go a few years? They didn't have any picks. I think they did. They did. Yeah. So, those. Uh, pretty sure it was the years where they were falling a game short of a bowl game, right, or a win yeah. short. So it was in between you know, kind of developing some of those guys, uh, getting them older. But uh, looking at this list, I mean, for this year, I think it's 
more than safe to say Wondell Robinson, Josh Pascal, Darian Kennard are all locks to get. And I'm probably Luke Fortner has probably moved his way into that as well. And then I feel pretty good about Corker and McCall, both those yeah. guys. I'd be surprised if they didn't get picked there. Um, probably from the fifth round on it somewhere. I don't know from there. The one guy that I'm not sure on, and, and someone might take a chance on him, but, but Rosenthal. He's the one guy yeah. that I'm not totally sold is actually going to get picked, but I think he'll at least sign an undrafted free agent deal. And then he might have a few more guys to get in there with some undrafted free agent deals, but that'll be more good exposure. Probably none of those guys. I mean, Robinson sounds like if someone falls in love with them, like maybe late second round, but most of the people I think see him kind of around a third rounder. I don't know for sure if this is the case. Again, I'm not dove deep outside of the Bengals pick at 31. I'm not really looked at a ton of these guys. I think Kennard maybe might be sliding a little bit yeah. in terms of his stock. And but on the flip side, I think Fortner and Pascal are both guys that are that have really seen their stock grow the last few last few weeks. And uh let me say this too. Um those are maybe two of the best dudes who have come through that program ever. Yeah. It is. <laughs> so, you, yeah. you got that right. Like it's uh, really happy to see Luke Fortner and climbing and took advantage of that extra year and it helped him. I mean, we, we can't always say that taking that extra year helped right. an athlete, but it, it certainly helped Luke Fortner and Josh Pascal doing his thing. Uh, I noticed on the stream today, though, that they had Wandell listed at 5'11", and I told myself, if Wandell's 5'11", then I'm going to start calling myself six foot because <laughs> I don't see Wandell being 5'11". Probably 5'8". Yeah, that's what I was going to say, 5'8", because I'm actually – I'm 5'9 and, and I'm taller than Wandell in every interview that we had last year. So He's strong, though. He, man, yes, he is. And that's the thing that stood out, too. He, the, His body's changed since January. Like, he's put in a ton of work, and, and you can tell. Like, he just looks stronger. He was already very strong, but he looks even stronger when you look at him now. And I think that that was very impressive today, seeing, seeing the bench press and then stuff. For a guy with his body weight, his position, I thought that was very impressive and just shows how strong he actually is. Yeah, no, no doubt. He just needs to follow his dad's workout plan, and he'll be just fine. Uh but true. so in the intro, I mentioned this tweet from SEC Mike, and, and this is uh this is a good fun off season. It's it's Mar or April now, actually, uh, April Fool's Day. But this is just good off season content. But he he went on Twitter for the SEC East, every team and every SEC West team, and he put uh, he and his and his buddy Shane, they had one must win game for every SEC East team. And I do disagree with the one that he chose for Kentucky, that Mike chose for Kentucky. Um, he chose Georgia. And then yeah. Shane chose Tennessee. So before we dive too deep into that, Sean, I think what that tells me, and I didn't see Mike tweet this, I haven't talked to Mike. I think if you're putting Georgia as that game, you would have to be, and I don't know that Mike actually believes this, I think you would have to be convinced that Kentucky is clearly – the second best team yeah, in the SEC East. And I don't well, know that that's the case. Yeah, and, you know, I've not talked to Mike about it. And it wouldn't surprise me if Mike actually listens to this show and hears us talking <laughs> about about their uh, their one must-win game for every SEC team. But, you know, thanks for creating some content today and everything for us in, in a part where it's kind of hard to create content right now. Yeah. But I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with the Georgia pick, but I think that, it makes sense in a, in a way because that's the one team that they haven't been able to beat mm -hmm. in their division. And I think that maybe that might be where Mike's coming from. I love to actually have Mike on the show 
here in the next week or so to kind of talk about it and kind of break down why he chose, uh, which I know he's probably done that on his show as well on that SEC podcast, but I'd love to have him on to talk about Kentucky. He had me on his show recently. Uh, but with, with Shane's pick in Tennessee, that kind of feels like the one because I think they need to start consistently beating Tennessee to continue making those strides up as a program. Like last year was a really good year. Could have been an even better year, though, had they beaten Tennessee. And I think that's the one. But how about this? This tells you how the, the landscape has changed. It used to be Florida beside Kentucky every year. We always talked about Kentucky's got to beat Florida because that's the one that, that jump starts the season. But when you look at this, Mike and Shane both picked Kentucky for Florida's must-win game, which tells you the way that those programs have kind of flipped here in recent years. That's a good point. Um, I'm with you in terms of Mike's lot. And again, I don't want to speak for him, but whenever I saw this, my thought was, and he did have a tweet. I went and looked and he talked about how kind of like, this is the, his logic is right. If you're going to win the SEC East, which is what Kentucky, it's what the coaching staff says. It's what everyone says is their goal is to get to Atlanta. He's right. You're probably not going to make it there unless you beat Georgia head to head. But I just still don't know. I don't know that I would ever go into a season just with the talent differential saying this is a must win game for Kentucky. I, I think Tennessee, Tennessee would, was probably my initial thought, but the more I thought about it, and again, this isn't necessarily the exact correlation, but the two times in our lifetime we've seen Kentucky win 10 games, they beat Florida. And that just makes me think that game early in the year, it's just so important. And they might be, I don't know, it's hard to know how Florida will be. I mean, it's it seems like there's a the general thought is you know, Kentucky's going to be better than Florida this season. Well, and, and there's other teams are too. And, and there's one other thing that I look at when I look at this list and I look at this chart. Obviously, you don't see Vandy anywhere on the chart, and you should. I mean, that's, you know, that's a team that they haven't consistently won in the league. But then I look up and I see, you know, Missouri on there one time. I see Ole Miss on there a couple of times. I see, you know, Arkansas a couple of times. Which, as you keep going through, you see Kentucky's logo – beside a lot of teams and I, I think that that's another reflection of how far the program has come that it's a key game for more than just one or two teams now it's a, it's a key game for Florida it's a key game for South Carolina it's a key game for Ole Miss and that out of the east showdown the SEC east west showdown between those two teams uh, so I, I think that that's another reflection of how far the program has developed and come in the recent years too that it, it's kind of Kentucky's not the game that you circle and say it's it's a it's, it's a must win for teens, but it's not a for sure win, which I think is just kind of a reflection of how far the program has developed under Stoops. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, 
live only on Netflix. You mentioned South Carolina to Mike has this must win game being Kentucky. I, I would guess if you were to poll that fan base, that that might be the pick as well. Um, but Tennessee, Tennessee, uh, I was texting Adam Luckett the other day and he made a good point. I hadn't dug into a lot of the schedules yet, but Tennessee, let me pull this up. Okay. Tennessee is in a spot. So they, they chose Florida, both guys did. And of course, they have had a, tortured history uh, within the last 20 years of Florida. Kentucky has actually beaten Florida more times now than Tennessee has since like 2004 or something like that, which, you know, for a football school, Tennessee is, they, they claim to be, and Florida being one of their biggest rivals, that's pretty bad <laughs> to have only, uh, especially some Florida teams that weren't particularly very good. And I know Tennessee's not been great either some of those years, but um, it seems like the way Tennessee maybe has been for Kentucky, that's what that's what Florida has been for Tennessee. But when you look at Tennessee's schedule, they play Florida in week four. And then after that, you have LSU, Bama, UK, and Georgia as four of the next five games. So if you win that game, it could really jumpstart something. But if you lose that game, I mean, you're talking about a potential tailspin going in there and you can already feel it coming out of Knoxville. They're, they're already getting the hype. This is, this is a stage of the Tennessee coach where they show that they're, you know, competent. Uh, they, you had it after 2019 when they won the bowl game and everyone thought 2020 was going to be a good year. And then they won three games and the coach got fired. So we're at this stage that every coach that Tennessee's had the last few years has, has had, and we'll see if Hypo can, can build on it. Um, but no, that's a good point you make about how many times Kentucky pops up here. I, I actually thought about Ole Miss because I saw, uh, you know, Shane chose UK for Ole Miss. And I was thinking, you know, the way that this Mississippi State series has gone, every seems like since 2015, every single home team has won. Kentucky gets Mississippi State at home. But what they've not been able to do in the Stoops era, <clears throat> excuse me, really before is sweep that uh, SEC West slate. Yeah. And that would be another big deal to be able to. It would be. They've not won an SEC West Row game under Stoops, right? They they haven't, no, because they oh. lost the A&M game in 18, and then they lost this past year at State, and those were clearly the two best Kentucky teams. So they they haven't because uh, – let's see here. Yeah, that year they – Sawyer-Smith game, they lost to State, didn't they? And then they beat Arkansas at home Yeah, that year. So, yeah, that's that would – and that's probably a, a story to write about in the offseason, honestly, is that, yeah. that if you want to take another step, it – it doesn't really have to be beating a single opponent. It's kind of, can you sweep that West crossover games, those two games that you have? But how about that? Mississippi State's not showing up on this graphic anywhere. So that's one of the teams in the league that you're talking about. They're not showing up on anyone else's key wins. So That's interesting. It is. And, and I think that I think this was a good idea that they came up with today and, you know, generate some content here in the spring and stuff. And Oh, I, I thought it yeah. was a tremendous uh, – this is like perfect – I mean, you'll get everybody riled up doing this. So this is a, this is a really good off-season content right here. It is, and you know we'll go through our schedule predictions and everything, Derek. I think don't we typically do that like in June or July? I think around SEC media days. Yeah, I think that's that's right. That's what we go through. I know we break down the schedule and stuff like that, but then we go ahead and predict every game too. But there are some games for these SEC teams like Auburn that Mike lists Penn State as their must-win game. And then Vandy's must-win game is Hawaii. So, I mean, they're out of – and then Georgia's uh, for Shane is Oregon. So, like, there are some out-of-conference games that are that are key 
uh, to those as well. But the spring game is now about seven days away. Uh, anything that you're looking for in that, or you you got your eye on anything? I know you're you're not on the beat, but is there anything that you're looking for when you flip on the tape that day, or if you make it over to Kroger Field? Yeah, I plan on being there. Me and my buddies are going to go over. My brother, um, I, the wide receivers. You know, I want to, and it's not going to be everybody because you would think Javon Baker, the Alabama transfer, who's not here yet, and then Barryon Brown. You would think both those guys are Baker for sure. I mean, I would be surprised if Baker isn't the starting X receiver. And then Brown, I, I think they will give every chance to 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 get on the field and see what he can do just because they're not going to have anyone else athletically like him. So those are the guys. But the guys who are there, Dengue, uh, Chris Lewis has been a favorite of mine for a long time. Uh, Tavion Robinson, you know, he's, he's probably going to yep. be the guy that leads the team in catches this year. I want to see how he looks out there. And then, you know, these, these scrimmage type games are a little tougher, but I mean, the obvious one, I guess, would be tackle, which yes. those tackles, how they hold up. Because Kentucky's defensive line, you know, I think it's pretty good. Pretty good defensive line. And, uh, you know, if you can hold up against these guys, then you should have a, a decent chance against most of the schedule. But um, those would be two things. But the big thought that I had, Sean, it doesn't necessarily pertain to the spring game. And I, and I just – the more I think about it, the more – I just think – they're being slept on in a way that in terms of the national media and then even fans around the league, there are just enough substantial, true, true substantial losses from last season. When you have Wondell gone, all that production, you have three offensive linemen who two of them are probably locks to be picked in the draft. And then your left tackle and Dare Rosenthal who might go, but that's a lot to replace. And then you throw Liam Cohen on top of that. I can see why, some people might be skeptical or maybe not or maybe giving some other teams the benefit of the doubt for whatever reason. But man, the more I think about this, I really think this group could end up by the end of the season when it comes to an SEC podcast like Mike's, I think people might look up and be like, man, we kind of missed that on Kentucky because we, the pieces were there and maybe we didn't talk enough about them. You've got a, a likely NFL draft pick at quarterback. If he develops the yeah. way he should, you have a veteran running back and Chris Rodriguez who, was up and down last season, but you're probably going to look up at the end of the year and he might have more rushing yards than anyone else who's ever played here. You have a yeah. good interior of the offensive line, and then it's unproven, true. But for anyone who's been around the program, I don't I don't think it's even close in terms of how much potential there is at wide receiver in terms of how they've recruited, transfers they brought in, and then tight end. I, I just think everything is there to have legitimately a, a an offense that could really boom. And I think that could end up being something that, you know, when people and, look up in August and, and then they start talking about how the season went, they might say, you know what, maybe we should have seen that and we, and we didn't. That, that's a good point and all good points. And it, to me, it starts at quarterback. Like, I just think that this is the first time, and I know Steven Johnson, one of my big buddies, but this is the first time where I've sat here confidently felt like you know what you got going into it. You feel like you have a guy that is got a really good arm, that accuracy, if it improves and stuff and, and those mid-level throws that he could go to the next level, uh, the, the deep ball, you know, he's going to be able to hit that at times. And then his ability to run the football. Now it's just about decision-making. What's his decision-making like? You want to see those interception numbers come down a little bit. So uh, I'm starting with a lot of optimism with this team, just because they have a capable quarterback that they're confident in. 
in his second year. I know it's a new offensive coordinator, but I'd be more concerned if this was Levis's first year in the program with a new offensive coordinator. I like that he's established himself. And it's not even about the new guys for me, Derek. It's about the, the other guys. It's about Isaiah Cummings. I, I think that he has potential to be a big year. I, I think Keaton Upshaw coming back, I think he would have been a huge weapon for them in the red zone last year. I'm expecting him to do some really good things. So I'm, I'm with you. I think that this is a team that there's certainly enough there that they're having to replace to where you can kind of have your concerns, especially with the tackles mm-hmm. and, and some things. But I also think that there's plenty for you to be like, okay, we've seen them lose guys in the past. We've seen them have to replace legends, and they've been able to do it and keep this program moving in the right direction. And that's where I look. They've done it before. They're more than likely going to have a great opportunity to do it again and keep this thing moving. Yeah, I, I just think um, it's going to be easy for people who don't really follow it every single day or whatnot to kind of look at Wondell and Ali being gone and be like, man, who, who's going to be out there? But I, I think all around, there's – I mean, I, I would be very surprised if this offense isn't – I would go as far to say much better. Than last yeah. season, I think the points per game will be quite a bit higher. I think the distribution to different guys will be much better. I mean, you might have someone come along. I, well, I, I guess Tavion Robinson will probably be well, a guy who gets a lot of targets. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, you know, last year it was it had to be heavy on Wandale, especially when Ali went out. Yeah, with injuries. So, like now, it's going to be harder to stop because you can't just key on one guy. Now they might have a guy like you said that kind of breaks through and becomes a stud that, that we're not really banking on, but they're going to be, it's going to be spread around a lot better. And you're still going to have your running back. You get a, you get a really good tight end that honestly, Derek, it, it wouldn't shock me the way this offense plays and the way it's played in the past. And I think it's going to be a, lo- a lot of similarities from what they've done this past year. You get in that red zone and you see the red zone efficiency go up when Upshaw's on the field. I, I think that yeah. could be a guy that could get to six, seven touchdown receptions on the air. Yeah, I'm very excited to see this offense. I, I really – if there's something I'm buying into, it's that I, I think at a certain point you can you can knock the inexperience. You can – I just don't think you – like. so how many guys that were four-star guys in high school? Baker, Robinson, Key, Lewis, Brown, Anthony, Crowdis. I'm probably forgetting somebody. They might be young. Some of those guys might be a little bit inexperienced. I just refuse to think that none of those guys – hit you know what I mean like I just think eventually you recruit enough good talent you win enough recruiting battles some guys might play bigger roles next year I mean Brown Brown might have a very specific role this year who knows Crowdis might have a very specific role as, as a deep guy you know it's just they have options now that they haven't had in previous years and that's not even you know Demarcus Harris I think it's probably easy to fly under the radar he I thought he did things last year I remember talking to you on this like I hope that this yeah. kid sticks it out because he's shown just enough that especially until those young guys come along. I think he's kind of a nice safety valve to have. I think the guys that they're bringing in now have much more upside than a guy like Demarcus Harris. But starting out the season early in the year, I think Harris could be a guy who makes some pretty big plays for him. And then we'll see what happens with development from other people. But um, And then defensively, you know, they – I love the defensive line. It's it's kind of their time to step up that 2020 class that was so highly touted. Um, I think that group overall will be pretty good. Um, and then the linebackers, I think I saw Jeff Picoro say he thought this was the best group of linebackers the school's ever had. And I'm sure he's including both the outside guys and the inside guys. But, I mean, they are super deep at inside linebacker. Well, <laughs> I mean, 
enough to where like they probably need to figure out ways to get Trevin Wallace out there more if it's not going to be at inside linebacker. Yeah, and and as we wrap up here, you know, obviously the the thing that I'm watching is you want to get through this next week without another injury. I know Vito Tisdale out for the year, and right, you know, that's yeah. a blow, but. So you want to get through the next seven to eight days without another injury, then get into fall camp and be relatively healthy, which leads me into this. We, we saw Rosenthal be a late add in the summer. Do you think that there's any possibility that there's an addition any point through this late spring, summer that they look at adding to the roster, maybe beefing up a position or two? Or do you think that it's set? No, I mean, I think they definitely got to add somebody. Um, Tyler Steen, it sounds like – that one's been a little bit wild based on the reporting. I mean, I don't – Rivals has a report, and I, and I believe the guy from Rivals who wrote it because I'm sure it's what he was told, but he had a final three of Alabama, LSU, and Virginia. And the 24-7 yeah. yesterday has a report that Kentucky's still in it. So, I don't know. I don't think you can feel great about Tyler Steen, but until he makes a decision, I think he's still on the table. I can't imagine they go through without having a tackle added. Uh, I just think you're asking a lot from some inexperienced guys, and I think that yeah. does put a damper. But, like, the secondary, I would probably add two guys, one minimum. I mean, yeah, especially yeah. with Vito out, you got to add somebody. Yeah, and, and for those listening that maybe haven't been reading or anything, we're talking about Tyler Steen from Vanderbilt yes. transfer. So, so that is – yeah, that's one that following to see what happens. But I know the report you're talking about, it. it's – uh kind of wild to think that i mean we it's it's normal people get different information and stuff like that but that's one that we'll be following closely in the coming days and we'll see what kentucky does but i'm with you i think that they gotta add at both those spots i think they need to add some people and, and get some more depth and get guys that are ready to play immediately yeah i mean jones was a. Uh... The thing, too, is I think the rap on Jaquez Jones last year, like I think he ended up having a better year than what people expected. I know he had some years at Ole Miss where he really, you know, racked up a lot of tackles. But I think the thought was that he was going to get pushed out at Ole Miss, that they had other guys coming in and Kiffin's uh, – see, that was Kiffin's first year, wasn't it? No, second year, Kiffin's second year because they came up here in 2020. So, that, you know, there was some thought that he was going to have some better guys coming in. But I – he looked like a guy who could have played anywhere to me the way he played last season. So I would keep that in mind. I don't know that you would expect a savior in the second half of the secondary, the second, uh, a guy to come in in the secondary and just be, you know, dominant. But I do think they need some more bodies and a guy like Kedron Smith from Ole Miss, who I think Kentucky stands a pretty good shot to land. Um, having guys who have played SEC football and have years of experience, I think is just a smart ad at this point. And then you got to maybe trust that you can develop some more, some more of the guys that you've recruited. But overall, I mean, I think you have to feel great about this group. I mean, you got, I mean, I, there are enough teams, I think, around the league that have improved that I can't sit here and say for sure. Like, yeah, I think Kentucky wins nine or 10 games. But I mean, I, I feel, I feel good that this group's going to have every chance to sort of like last year, I think. And then you probably even give them a little bit better chance against Georgia this year. I'm not, and I'm not claiming by any means that they're going to beat Georgia, but just in terms of – like that Georgia team was full of freaks last year. And the way that they recruit, this team probably will be too, but at least you get them at home. So, like, I think every game outside of Georgia, though, again, I don't see any reason why you would go into it thinking Kentucky couldn't win. And it doesn't mean that they will win, but lots to feel good about Kentucky football. Sean, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? 
No, I, I think that's hit on all of it. I'm I'm excited to kind of flip the script here. I've been all in on basketball and following this roster, and we've had a quiet two weeks, Derek, other than Dante Allen transfer and the report that Damian Collins is coming back. There's not been that kind of domino effect move that really gets this ball rolling. So excited to kind of transition to football, you know, on this show for the next little bit and, and moving forward to that spring game and getting some takeaways from that. But uh, that's everything that I think I've got today. As always, our show is brought to you by the Butcher's Pub, three locations. One of those locations is where Sean is right now, uh, Pineville. And then you also have it in London, Kentucky and Williamsburg. And then as always, we're on the Blue Wire Sports Network. Sean, thanks for joining me today. As always, we'll be back early next week with some more episodes. But he's Sean Smith. I'm Derek Terry. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 